Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into ISIS, Inside the Army of Terror, by Hassan Hassan and Michael Weiss. This profound work takes an unflinching look at the militant group, the Islamic State, tracing its evolution from a shadowy faction to a formidable force declaring a caliphate across vast territories of Iraq and Syria. Based on extensive research and featuring riveting first-hand accounts, the book not only explores ISIS's ideological fervor and military prowess, but also lays bare the missteps and miscalculations of Western powers that may have inadvertently contributed to the group's rise. Authors Hassan Hassan, a respected Middle East analyst and columnist, alongside Michael Weiss, a journalist and fellow at the Institute of Modern Russia, combine their expertise to provide a chilling narrative that reads like a political thriller, yet is grounded in rigorous journalism. This book is a must-listen for anyone interested in the complexities of international politics, the dynamics of terrorism, and Middle Eastern affairs. Detailing the horrifying yet important reality of religious extremism, ISIS, inside the army of terror, is an essential primer for historians, scholars, policymakers, and the general public seeking to understand the genesis of one of the most notorious terror groups in modern history. Join us as we explore the harrowing world of ISIS in a comprehensive summary designed for those who need to grasp the core of the issue, all within 20 minutes. ISIS Inside the Army of Terror. Introduction Unraveling the Origins of ISIS and its Global Threat. Imagine a force erupting into global consciousness, sudden and devastating. This is the story of ISIS, the Islamic State of Iraq and Syria, a militant group whose brutal conquests and political savvy have positioned it as a formidable adversary against world powers. For the West, ISIS appeared to materialize from thin air, embroiled in conflict and rapidly seizing territories. But the truth is, the seeds of ISIS's rise were planted long before their flag was hoisted over Mosul or Raqqa. Understanding the emergence of a jihadist colossus. ISIS didn't just spring up overnight. It was birthed from the fertile ground of political discord, ancient sectarian strife and the vestiges of foreign intervention. The world watched, bewildered, as a group of battle-hardened militants began to carve out a state from the bleeding heart of the Middle East. They claimed a caliphate, a dominion for the faithful, and declared themselves rulers of all Muslims. As we delve into the labyrinth of ISIS's ascent, the facade of their sudden emergence crumbles away, revealing a calculated progression of power. Drawn-out plans, exploitative alliances, and a campaign fueled by fear and unmatched violence have underwritten their grim narrative. The vision of ISIS's leaders reaches back, blending historical ambition with modern terror to claim a ghastly foothold in our time. The rivalry that shaped radical extremism. Dive deeper into the shadowy realm of terrorist networks, and you'll discover the animosity between ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Far from a unified front, these organizations vie for dominance, leading to bitter hostility that has torn through the jihadist movement. Their internecine conflict is more than a power struggle. It's a clash of philosophies, 
strategies, and visions for global jihad. The paradox of imprisonment and its appeal to militants. Prisons, often intended to neutralize threats, became unlikely incubators for ISIS's ideology. Far from being a deterrent, incarceration offered a haven for jihadists to regroup, strategize, and network. For some, remaining behind bars was a strategic choice, a pause in the battle to emerge more radicalized, more connected, and more determined to spread terror across the lands. Masterful propaganda, the media arm of a terror state. ISIS's rise is not solely attributed to warfare and terror. A sophisticated propaganda machine amplifies their message, marrying modern marketing with an ideology of extremism. Slickly produced videos and polished magazines serve not just to intimidate, but to recruit. They draw in the disenfranchised and the passionate, offering a narrative of purpose, power, and piety. Through these channels, ISIS has not only shaped its image, but expanded its reach, seducing followers from around the globe to join their dark cause. As we explore the alarming ascent of ISIS, a mosaic of calculated tactics and opportunistic ventures is revealed, challenging the world to respond. To combat the tide of extremism, it is not enough to react with force alone. The global community must strive for understanding to explore the psychology, strategy, and intent behind this terrorist juggernaut, and perhaps in that knowledge, find the means to quell the fire they have ignited. Part 1. The Siren Call of Jihad. ISIS's drive to attract the unyielding. Amid the myriad headlines detailing violence and upheaval, one name emerges with chilling frequency. ISIS. This shadowy entity known formally as the Islamic State in Iraq and al-Sham, has carved out a territory as vast as England through intimidation and unrelenting aggression. In 2014, it made a bold move by declaring the formation of a caliphate, signaling a new era of dominion in the Middle East. The men behind the masks, Saddam's legacy in ISIS. The core of ISIS's command owes its strategic acumen to a surprising source, the fallen Iraqi regime of Saddam Hussein. With its upper echelons staffed by former advisors of the deposed leader, ISIS displays a formidable intelligence-gathering capability. It deftly navigates the political landscape, at once championing itself as the guardian of Sunni minorities and a bulwark against perceived aggressors such as the United States and Gulf Arab states, the archetype of jihadist passion. Despite a relatively small footprint in Iraq and Syria, ISIS constructs its ranks from individuals whose fervor is unwavering. Each recruit must embody absolute commitment to the group's cause, and one such person was Abdelaziz. Born in Bahrain and drawn to the concept of jihad during the turbulence of 2011, Abdelaziz sought a faction that matched his intensifying extremism. Discontent with the moderate groups opposing Syrian President Bashar Assad, he sought a more zealous platform and found ISIS. Abdelaziz's rise within ISIS was meteoric. He rapidly proved himself by engaging in brutal acts, such as beheadings captured on film, and was even granted the horrific entitlement to own a sex slave 
a stark illustration of the extreme ideologies within ISIS. His end came in 2014, struck down by a Syrian sniper dying as he had lived, in pursuit of martyrdom. A robust and relentless threat. The tale of Abdelaziz is far from an outlier in the organization's ranks. It is emblematic of the standard ISIS aspires to. Fanaticism isn't just welcomed, it's the baseline for admission. With such stringent recruitment strategies committed to galvanizing those who share their radical vision, ISIS stands as a formidable and continuous menace, not just to Iraq and Syria, but as a burgeoning specter of terror within the international community. Part 2. The Vision of a Caliphate. ISIS's Ambition for an Islamic State under Sharia. What burns at the core of ISIS's ambition? Beyond the battlegrounds and terror, their ultimate objective takes shape. The creation of a caliphate, a singular Islamic empire governed by Sharia, the Islamic legal system derived from the Quran. Renouncing modern nation-states, ISIS has expanded its sights from seizing pockets within Iraq and Syria to forging a sprawling dominion. The Islamic State, as they name themselves, dismisses all existing territorial lines and government authorities as null and void. At the helm of this proposed empire is Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, who boldly dismisses any authority other than the Islamic States. To ISIS, the world is dichotomous. There are the inhabitants of their caliphate, devout Muslims and Mujahideen pledged to uphold Sharia, and then there are the enemies. Those who do not subscribe to their doctrine, including Jews, Christians, and particularly the allies of the United States, are labeled infidels destined for destruction. The blueprint for a theocratic tyranny. With the caliphate, ISIS envisions a society bound rigidly by the edicts of Sharia law. Initially, some inhabitants of the areas seized by ISIS viewed their new rulers as saviors from chaos. ISIS took charge of governance, fixing infrastructure, and restoring a semblance of order to war-torn regions. However, this veneer of stability soon crumbled as the iron fist of religious dogma descended. Education halted as schools shut down. Women encountered severe restrictions, forced into hijabs and confined to their homes without a male escort. Beard shaving became a punishable offense for men, and attendance at mosque prayers five times a day became mandatory for all. For those who defied these draconian laws, the consequences were severe and barbaric. Torture, mutilation, and execution became tools of control, instilling fear to enforce compliance and crush dissent. This despotic regime, ensconced in militant theology, has subjected countless individuals to extreme suffering. Yet to fully grasp the entity of ISIS, we must journey back to its genesis, exploring the historical and ideological roots from which it branched out into today's tableau of terror. Part 3. The Unyielding Zealot, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, the Radical Harbinger of ISIS To fathom the rise of ISIS, we must trace its roots back to a singular pivotal figure, Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, the architect of the jihadist ambitions that would later shape this extremist organization. Born into the grit of a Jordanian backwater, al-Zarqawi's early life was marred with strife. His path to education was trampled by turmoil. He emerged volatile, 
ill-tempered and with scant literacy in his native tongue. Seeking a corrective course, his mother impelled him toward religious instruction, hoping for salvation. Instead, what blossomed within al-Zarqawi was an intense radicalization. In the fervent climate of Salafism, a radical strain of Sunni Islam, al-Zarqawi found his calling in the concept of jihad, his notion of divine struggle. His spiritual quest carried him to the battlefields of Afghanistan in 1989, just as the country's tumultuous civil war beckoned. He joined forces with the Mujahideen, contributed to a jihadist publication, and honed his militant skills in the hallowed halls of extremism, including a stint with the notorious Al-Qaeda. However, al-Zarqawi's aspirations gained true momentum upon crossing paths with al-Maqdisi, the head of a Jordanian jihadist cell. This encounter marked a profound mentorship that would shape his extremist trajectory. Together, they furtively recruited acolytes and hustled arms until the hand of justice caught up with them in 1994. Sealed behind bars, rather than being subdued, al-Zarqawi's influence swelled as he ascended the ranks of notoriety among his fellow radicals. Through the issuance of fatwas, he captured the attention of an intrigued Osama bin Laden. With the wings of amnesty in 1999, al-Zarqawi walked free, making his way back into the heart of Afghanistan. In the clandestine realm, where the air was thick with the plotting of terror, he and bin Laden's meeting carved a new chapter, one that sowed the seeds of the horror that ISIS would later unleash upon the world. Part 4. A Marriage of Convenience. The Unlikely Alliance Between Al-Zarqawi and Bin Laden. In the dark web of terrorism, the union of Abu Musab al-Zarqawi and Osama bin Laden forms a particularly disquieting nexus in the chronicles of modern extremism. It's from this uneasy collaboration that the foundations of what would become ISIS were laid. Bin Laden, embroiled in the infamy of al-Qaeda, was the strategic patron of numerous terror cells and had accrued significant influence and wealth within jihadist circles. Despite profound ideological discrepancies, bin Laden saw potential in al-Zarqawi's fervor and reach in the region. Al-Zarqawi, though sharing a common disdain for America, had a broader catalog of adversaries, extending his wrath to Shia Muslims and Sunni dissenters of Salafism. The alliance wasn't born of admiration. By many accounts, bin Laden had little personal affinity for al-Zarqawi, it was the logistical and territorial sway that al-Zarqawi held that intrigued him. Persuaded by his security chief, bin Laden decided to assimilate al-Zarqawi's aggressive tactics for their mutual benefit. In the year 2000, bin Laden entrusted al-Zarqawi with oversight of a Herat-based al-Qaeda camp, a hub for recruiting and training militants for future acts of terror, one of them being the assassination of the U.S. aid officer Lawrence Foley in Amman. The tendrils of al-Zarqawi's influence, buttressed by his alignment with al-Qaeda, extended into northern Iraq and Iran, birthing new training camps and establishing dominions governed by Sharia law. This expansion was leveraged by the United States government as evidence of al-Qaeda's connection to Saddam Hussein and Iraq's purported chemical arsenal, which became the casus belli for the 2003 Iraq invasion. Amidst the crescendo of war, Bin Laden declared an open address to the Iraqi populace, urging militants to unify with local forces against the common foreign antagonist. 
the stage was thus set for a nefarious coalition where radical Islamists would entwine with the remnants of Saddam's Ba'athist party, heralding a new and troubling chapter in the story of Middle Eastern conflict. Part 5. The Forge of Terror. How Iraq's conflict nurtured future ISIS loyalists. As the American-led coalition forces stormed into Iraq, the political landscape was shaken to its core, creating a vacuum where former members of Saddam Hussein's Ba'athist party found themselves relegated to the fringes. It was within this power void that the seeds of extremism took root, setting the stage for future alliances with ISIS. Saddam, prior to the invasion, had grown wary of the sectarian divide between Iraq's Shia majority and the governing Sunni minority. To stave off potential insurrection, he initiated an Islamization campaign for state officials, encouraging connections with mosques and religious teachings. Ironically, these overtures nudged the secular Ba'athists towards Salafism, embedding them deeper into Sunni Islamic heritage and exposing them to radical ideologies. When democracy supplanted autocracy in the invasion's aftermath, the Shias emerged as the dominant power, leaving Sunnis and Ba'athists politically sidelined due to the debathification process. Displaced and disgruntled, they gravitated towards the burgeoning militant groups eager to weaponize their discontent. Al-Qaeda, and particularly al-Zarqawi, recognized the potential in these disaffected souls. With strategic acumen, he orchestrated a swift and chilling campaign of violence. Starting in 2003, he masterminded consecutive bombings in Baghdad, targeting the Jordanian embassy and the United Nations headquarters, catapulting his faction to the forefront of global notoriety. Despite comprising only a fraction of identified terrorists, al-Zarqawi's followers were responsible for a disproportionate amount of violence, dominating media headlines and sowing terror in the hearts of many. Al-Zarqawi introduced a grotesque innovation to this reign of terror, the videotaped beheading. These gruesome spectacles, with victims garbed in orange to echo the uniforms of Guantanamo Bay detainees, became a macabre signature and a pointed statement against U.S. policy. But al-Zarqawi's primary aim was the incitement of sectarian conflict. By targeting the Shia population, he hoped to provoke a civil war, rallying the Sunni Muslims to his banner. This strategy of division and conquest bore bitter fruit, as ISIS later emulated this approach to gain control over cities such as Mosul, leveraging chaos and community rifts to tighten its insidious grip on the region. Part 6. The Guiding Shadow of al-Zarqawi in the Rise of ISIS The brutal campaigns led by Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, marked by election boycotts, targeted killings of Shia leaders and a spree of beheadings, aimed to consolidate Sunni militants under his extremist doctrine. However, the very ferocity of his methods eventually led to his undoing. Al-Zarqawi's drive for unity was paradoxically divisive. Attempting to disrupt the 2005 election in Iraq, his tactics initially appeared to triumph as Shias faced increased attacks and Sunni voter turnout diminished. Yet, this violence alienated many within the Sunni community, prompting tribal leaders to reassess their allegiances. They recognized the cost of continued chaos 
and the power vacuum it created, leaving them with scant representation in the newly formed government. The backlash against al-Zarqawi grew, with some tribes even aligning with American forces to expunge al-Qaeda's footprint from their regions. The perception that Iraq, post-invasion, was being ceded to Shia Iran, and with it, the mistreatment of Sunnis under the new regime, kindled further radicalization. The horrifying conditions uncovered at the Jadria bunker, where Sunni detainees suffered inhumane confines, became a drastic rallying point for militant recruitment. The eclipse of al-Zarqawi in 2006, felled by a targeted bomb strike in Hibib, did not diminish his influence. His legacy became a beacon for further enlistment into the jihadist cause, and his disciples, notably al-Masri and al-Baghdadi, forged ahead with inexorable resolve. They established ISIS in the wake of their predecessor's demise, with al-Baghdadi ascending as the figurehead. Under the aegis of ISIS, the objectives swelled in scope and ambition, far surpassing those of al-Zakawi. With a path laid bare by blood and fervor, they aspired to erect an Islamic state at any cost, an aim that would upheave the Middle East and shape the global discourse on terror. Part 7. ISIS's Strategic Patience, Laying Low and Building Strength In the evolving drama of Middle Eastern conflict, ISIS established itself in the turbulent heart of Iraq, biding its time and meticulously crafting an infrastructure for its long-term aspirations. However, their support from within was overestimated, particularly concerning the sons of Iraq, a unison of tribal factions wary of extremist dominance. The everyday reality of living under jihadist rule, encompassing relentless violence, strict Sharia enforcement, and an absence of civil liberties, left the local population yearning for stability and peace. Disillusioned, many Iraqis openly defied ISIS yearning for the comparatively safer haven provided by the remaining U.S. troops. Faced with increasing hostility, both al-Qaeda and ISIS saw their holds wane, compelling them to retract their operations to smaller regions and refocus their strategies. Even within the ranks of their supposed allies, sentiments shifted. Several jihadist entities, recognizing the detrimental impact of al-Qaeda's presence, chose to sever ties. When those calls for withdrawal went unheeded by bin Laden, factions like the Islamic Army sought aid from the Americans to reclaim their territories. Through coordinated efforts, al-Qaeda was incrementally purged from Iraq, leaving ISIS as the prime inheritor of the Sunni extremist mantle. What set ISIS apart in this period of upheaval was their calculated patience. Learning from the overreach of al-Qaeda, they adopted a low-profile stance, weaving themselves into the fabric of society while awaiting the complete exit of foreign forces. This downtime was anything but idle. Prisons became fertile recruitment beds for ISIS, a strategy executed with cold precision. Members would deliberately get incarcerated to tap into the concentrated pool of potential recruits. U.S. detention centers inadvertently became hubs for radicalization, providing a safe and resourceful environment for ISIS leaders to expand their ranks without the hassle of establishing covert safe houses. In this calculated lull, ISIS fine-tuned its approach, amassing support and consolidating power, silently laying the groundwork for its eventual resurgence 
once the American military presence in Iraq came to an end. Part 8. Syria, the battleground that shaped ISIS's rise. As al-Qaeda's influence receded from Iraq, ISIS found itself on the brink of a transformative era. The group shifted gears, drawing on the growing dissent against American troops and the Iraqi administration. On the cusp of a regional upheaval, the Arab Spring of 2011, ISIS was poised to display its burgeoning dominance, with Syria as the stage for its emerging power play. President Bashar Assad, the linchpin of Syria's established order, was determined to maintain his grip on power amidst the tumultuous wave of revolutions. Assad finessed a delicate balance of exploitation and manipulation, playing both sides in a bid to bolster his position. He cynically propelled jihadists into the fray, releasing them from prisons to fuel the chaos and to serve as a counterweight to the free Syrian army insurgents. Simultaneously, he appealed to the United States, positioning his regime as a bulwark against the creeping ISIS threat, cunningly lobbying for aid in combating terrorism. In this convoluted chess game, ISIS seized the moment to distinguish itself from its past affiliations. A schism with al-Qaeda brewing beneath the surface became irrevocable. The divergence in ideology and strategy had grown too profound by 2014, rendering any reconciliation untenable, despite the desperate interventions of Ayman al-Zawahiri, bin Laden's successor, and a once-venerated figure within both factions. The infighting became lethal, with al-Nusra front combatants, al-Qaeda's Syrian contingent, and ISIS operatives engaging in a deadly power struggle. The fallout resulted in a significant number of al-Qaeda defectors, swelling the ranks of ISIS, tipping the scales further in favor of the Islamic State's ambitions. The ascent of ISIS cannot solely be attributed to shifting alliances or the leveraging of geopolitical chaos. At its core was a relentless drive to induct new fighters and rapidly commandeer land, personifying a juggernaut that, in its ruthless efficiency, carved a sovereign, albeit terrifying legacy in the sands of the Middle East. Part 9. Propaganda as a Weapon. How ISIS Masters the Art of Recruitment. The grim spectacle of public executions and the defiant unfurling of a black banner have become haunting symbols of ISIS's reach. It's through these evocative and often shocking images that ISIS has amplified its narrative, drawing recruits into its fold with the allure of belonging to something larger than themselves. ISIS's propaganda machinery operates on an unprecedented level of sophistication, harnessing both time-tested media outlets and the pervasive power of social networks. Initiatives range from high-quality video productions to the distribution of their magazine, demonstrating a comprehensive approach to spreading their jihadist message. The group's propaganda, disseminated through platforms like Facebook, Twitter, and Zello, ensures a constant presence in the digital lives of potential recruits. This around-the-clock access to radical sermons and militant diatribes has undoubtedly played a role in the swelling of ISIS's ranks. Interestingly, the profile of ISIS recruits varies widely, from ideologically driven extremists to opportunists, from restless youth to seasoned militants. What sets ISIS apart is not just its own media prowess, but also the inadvertent amplification provided by Western news coverage. 
the relentless focus on ISIS's brutal tactics has unintentionally served to glamorize the group's exploits to those susceptible to its message. While it might be presumed that the majority of ISIS members come from regions close to its epicenter of activity, its clarion call of jihad has echoed through the streets of western cities as well. Disenchanted individuals, largely young men who perceive themselves as warriors in a battle against subjugation, find purpose in the narrative of ISIS. From European nations like the United Kingdom and Belgium, a significant fraction, over 18%, of young ISIS recruits originate. Enticed by the promise of fighting in a heroic conflict, more and more young people journey to Syria, emboldened by the prospect of joining the ranks of an allegedly invincible caliphate. Part 10. Calculated Conquest. ISIS's chessboard of territorial domination. Beyond the flurry of media furor and propagandist outreach, ISIS's strategic prowess in claiming and governing swathes of territory is a key pillar of its daunting presence. Let's peel back the layers of their ground offensive, revealing a sophisticated blend of patient planning and shrewd manipulation. Strategic Tribal Alliances Central to ISIS's influence on the Syrian front was an acute understanding of the local tribal dynamics, a nuance that President Bashar Assad had notoriously overlooked. Tribal affiliations in Syria are a linchpin of social and political power. By sidelining these pivotal groups, Assad eroded his foothold. In contrast, ISIS courted the tribes, recognizing their potential as instrumental allies in establishing a sprawling Islamic state. The approach was straightforward, yet effective. Offer young tribal leaders economic incentives, such as access to lucrative oil resources, and promise to shield them from the encroaching dangers of war. With their leaders convinced, ISIS found it easier to enlist the allegiance of entire tribes, ensuring a smoother assimilation of critical regions like Deir Ezzor, adjacent to Iraq. Sleeper cells and starvation. But the conquests of ISIS are not due to tribal alliances alone. The organization covertly embeds sleeper cells within enemy ranks, biding time until the signal is given to wreak havoc from within. These covert ISIS sympathizers, masquerading as fighters for the Free Syrian Army or Al Qaeda affiliates, pledge their unwavering loyalty to the Islamic State's cause up to their dying breath. This inside-out strategy was instrumental in the capture of key cities. Mosul in Iraq and al-Bab in Syria both fell victim to this Trojan horse style of warfare. ISIS laid siege, employing starvation to weaken resistance. Then, in a calculated move, sleeper agents assassinated opposition leaders, just as ISIS's uniformed forces launched their offensive, enabling them to seize control with a mix of surprise, subterfuge, and raw force. ISIS thus unfurls its campaign across the Middle Eastern tapestry with shrewd, ruthless efficiency. By understanding local structures, orchestrating internal coups, and leveraging guerrilla tactics, ISIS has continued to expand its domain, perfecting the art of conquest through strategic acumen and an unnervingly patient resolve. Part 11. Navigating in the Dark. America's Missteps in Contending with ISIS 
Commencing over a decade in the past, the United States military foray into Iraq set the stage for escalating sectarian strife. What sparked a fierce regional conflict was not just a power vacuum, but also a profound misunderstanding of the Middle East's intricate social fabric. Indeed, it's become starkly apparent that the United States was woefully ill-prepared for the ensuing turmoil it would face in Iraq. But what underpinned this lack of foresight? From the outset, the United States demonstrated a superficial grasp of Iraqi society. American interaction with the Sons of Iraq, the negotiations with tribal factions, and the reconstruction of the Iraqi political system, which marginalized Sunnis in favor of a Shia majority, were all marred by naivete and miscalculation. The repercussions of such fumbling diplomacy and short-sighted military strategy were fertile grounds for insurgent and extremist factions to flourish. American officials seemed perplexed by the mercurial nature of tribal loyalties and political allegiances, leading to tactical errors and strategic blunders. The situation only grew more convoluted with the disintegration of Syria. As the crisis deepened, the United States found itself lagging, unable to stay apprised of shifting allegiances and escalating violence, much less formulate a responsive approach. Syria's President Assad presented a particular conundrum for the United States. When Assad petitioned for American assistance against internal insurrections, a dilemma arose. Backing the authoritarian Assad regime was distasteful, yet bolstering the rebels risked inadvertently empowering organizations like al-Qaeda and ISIS, further destabilizing the region. The multifaceted nature of the Syrian conflict defied the binaries of traditional warfare. There were no clear good or bad sides to support. Each option appeared to propagate a different brand of error. Looking ahead, the future of ISIS's insidious caliphate looms with disturbing uncertainty. Their relentless propagation of violence and extremism casts a long shadow, and the West's misdirected attempts to counteract their influence must contend with the sobering reality of a conflict that seems to offer no easy solutions or foreseeable end. Final summary. At its heart, the story of ISIS is a cautionary tale of underestimation and oversimplification. Far from being a mere assemblage of terrorists, ISIS has evolved into a militarily disciplined, finely resourced entity, capturing lands and hearts with an iron determination. Its tentacles extend beyond its immediate territory, pulling in support and manpower from across the globe. Western nations, grappling with the complexity and ferocity of ISIS, have been repeatedly outmaneuvered. The price has been steep, measured in the currency of human lives. A grim testament to the group's strategic prowess and the international community's faltering responses. The world is left to contend with the grim reality of a lethal and sophisticated army in the guise of a fanatical movement whose impact will reverberate for years to come. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers.
Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.